HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz, your host. Ooh, it's hot in here today. I don't know what's going on down here in the shelter? Very warm. Well, which that makes sense, of course, because you know what? It's almost Memorial Day. Yes, Memorial Day is upon us, the official start of the summer season. Although outside, it doesn't feel like it today, but. Um, it seems to be early. Is Memorial Day early this year? To me, it's always like the 31st, but I think it's a little early this year. Like Easter was early, too. Like Easter just kind of snuck up on us all. You know, when we feel, still kind of thought it was Valentine's Day, when all the chocolate was half price from Valentine's Day, suddenly it all turned pink because it was Easter. Or Purim, of course. You know, Purim. Purim was really easy. But but did you even notice when it was Purim? Did you pay attention Purim, the most mirthful and giddy of the many and varied Jewish festive holidays. Did you celebrate Purim in a specific way? Or did you just take advantage of the day off from work because it's a federal holiday? Or the suspended parking rules or the giant sales on huge TVs and new cars? The Purim sales. Did you? Did you just go shopping instead of observing? You're not a very good Jew, are you? No. Do you even remember that I did a show about Purim? No one even knows what Purim is. That's what's so funny. And about how I had to dress up once as a giant human humantashen for the Purim carnival at my miserable Yiddish socialist Saturday school. Remember that episode? What's a humantashen, you ask? Well, you know what? You're going to have to go back and listen to that episode because I don't have time to get into all of that now. I'm just talking about holidays and the passing of time right now. I can't explain all of it 
so I can't. So go ahead and listen to it, and you know we'll just we'll wait for you. Oh, actually, we're not going to wait for you because you know what? It's okay because this is internet radio, so you can listen to any show anytime you want, any show at any time that you want because podcasting, which apparently the mainstream media has just learned about podcasting. Because apparently podcasting is so cool that yesterday we were featured on the CBS News Morning Show called, fittingly, CBS This Morning. So you could say yesterday, if you were a host on HRN like me, we were on CBS This Morning This Morning. And not to sound like you have Tourette's or anything. It wouldn't happen. But, okay, that's not any kind of offensive thing about the Tourette community. Okay, so please hold the hate mail. Okay. But anyway, yes, apparently CBS News mainstream media has discovered podcasting. And so they came here and they did a show on us on Heritage Radio. And it was actually a very nice piece. They did a really good, somewhat in-depth piece about us. And they were only like, what, five years late on the topic? So that's not too bad for, you know, the mainstream media because it tends to take them a while to catch on to stuff. I, I get it. I get it. It takes me a while to catch on to stuff, too. So I get it. I still forget to check Instagram. So. But forget all about that for now. We're going to get back to that in a minute. We're going to get back to the whole CBS thing in a minute. Because Memorial Day, as I said, is imminent. And it's an important, serious holiday. Okay? We have to remember the fallen and all that. Those who fought for us. And even though it sounds like everything I say is sarcasm, it's not always. And I'm not making light of it. Okay? This is not some, like, jab at Memorial Day, despite the complicated reasons for my leaving my 15-year teaching job at a culinary school, which may or may not have had something to do with me maybe offending a testosterone-crazed, PTSD-afflicted veteran, okay? Maybe or maybe not. Remember, that's all that I can say about that. But, you know, I have I have mad respect, yo. Mad respect for those who who serve us. You know, the waiters and bussers and bartenders. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough job. I've done it. And it's hard being a waiter. Okay, I'm just kidding again. Please. Please don't send me hate mail about veterans. I've had enough of that, okay? Now, of course, working front of house is not as hard as working back of the house as a cook for a fraction of the money that you get for pouring someone a beer or dropping a plate on a table. But those days are in the past. Let's move on. We have a lot to talk about. So first, let's talk about Memorial Day. Okay, first weekend of the summer season and all that. Barbecues, watermelon, IPA on ice. I mean, the bottle, not don't pour the beer on ice. I mean, you could do that. When I was working in Vietnam, actually, that's what they would do, is they would put beer on ice, like on the rocks, because the beer there is uh, it's a little thin. So it didn't really matter if it tasted like water. And it was so hot, you had to drink your beer on ice. But, but here in New York, it's like 57 degrees and rainy, so uh, it's not feeling much like Memorial Day. But the weather guy on the news, weather guy, he promised it would be in the 80s by the weekend, which actually is too hot for me. So my Memorial Day will commence with a good dose of sweaty whining, of course, because my comfort zone ranges somewhere between 62 and 68. That's where I'm comfortable. So I have to go live somewhere like Bogota, Colombia, which is always 68 degrees and dry. 
So this whole like Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, trifecta, summer structure thing, holiday trifecta of the summer, it's really gotten me thinking about how the season, the summer season, is bookended by holidays and sort of pinned in the middle with the big one, July 4th, Independence Day, which is, I guess, really... Like, when I was in school, I would think of July 4th as the beginning of the summer, but really it's the beginning of the end of the summer because after July 4th, what do you have? Like, six weeks, right? And then that's it. And then the back-to-school ads start running by the 4th, and the Christmas crap starts to show up in the stores alongside the Halloween candy. And it's like time doesn't even really exist. Like, there's no time... There's no calendar. It's just the whole year is a huge mashup of pre- and post-holiday sales for every holiday all at once. Because there's this dollar store near my summer house and my summer house, which is 400 square feet. I just like to say that because when I say my summer house, people go, oh, she has a summer house. She's fancy. My summer house is the size of this radio studio, basically. So don't get all excited. You're not invited because there's no room. But one year in early July, I went to this dollar store in July, and they had leftover Father's Day junk. They had leftover graduation party crab alongside Fourth of July star-spangled garbage and then an early display of Christmas decorations all at the same time. So it was like the time-space continuum had completely collapsed. And I'm already getting nostalgic for and feeling the loss of this summer, and it's only May 24th. Like, I'm already feeling the twinges of, oh, my God, summer's almost over, and it's May 24th. But that's just me and my sort of chronic nostalgia. Okay, but back to the agenda. I'm getting there. Back to the agenda for today, which is, which is it's, a, it's a show about truth. Truth. Truth, justice. And the American foodiness way. Okay? And by the way, if you're under 40, like that extern guy out there who's 17, intern, extern, he's waving, intern. I didn't know he was 17. I thought he was in college. We have underage people working here. But if you're under 40, definitely if you're under 17, that's a variation of the tagline from the old Superman TV show. Superman TV show from the 50s with George Reeves. Superman fought for truth, justice, and the American way because the Cold War. But here in the Foodiness Fallout Shelter, we fight for truth and justice and definitely the American foodiness way, or more correctly, against the American foodiness way because, well, our food systems are so effed. I was going to use the real word there, but then I thought, what if somebody from CBS is listening and, you know, wants to put me on their show? So... I'm keeping it clean. And because here, in corporate big food America, we apparently hold certain foodiness truths to be self-evident, which is that all industrially produced foods are created equal, and they are endowed by their corporate creators with certain unalienable rights, unalienable rights, that among these are potentially destroying life, crushing the liberty of the small farmer, and the pursuit of profitable happiness for those running the corporations. Did you get all that? Okay, sorry. Look, I've been thinking about American holidays, right? It's almost Memorial Day. The 4th is right around the corner. Before you know it, it's going to be July. So I thought that in honor of this holiday season, I would rewrite the Declaration of Independence to make it more appropriate for today's world. 
So let's repeat that, okay, shall we? Because I'm not sure everybody was paying attention the first time. And when I was teaching and had to take classes in how to be a better teacher, because you have to do that according to the state, even though the people who taught us to be better teachers were psychos who carried guns. The guy showed us his gun. Maybe in Trump's America, teachers carry guns, but not in my America. Okay? But they taught us that the best way to teach something is through repetition. Repeat. Also, teach in small bites. Also, eat in small bites. But they didn't teach us that. My mom did, but not very effectively. Anyway, so let's repeat our truth manifesto for today, okay? The best way to learn something, repetition. We hold, we should have patriotic music in the background for this, but they're a little crazy in the control room today, so. We hold certain foodiness truths to be self-evident, which is that all industrially produced foods are created equal and that they are endowed by their corporate creators with certain unalienable rights. That among these are potentially destroying life, crushing the liberty of the small farmer, and the pursuit of profitable happiness for those running the corporations. That's my new take on the Declaration of Independence to celebrate this summer's kickoff of the summer holiday foodiness season. Because we haven't really talked about foodiness that much on the show lately. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, let's talk more about America, damn it. We'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food here on Heritage Radio Network with me, Eric Wise. We're feeling patriotic today. We're celebrating the imminent summer holiday America season, Memorial Day and Independence Day, right in line, coming up. I have to say, there's this woman sitting outside the studio, there's a whole group of people eating. She has more injectables shot into her lips than anyone I've ever seen. She can barely... Use her mouth. It's crazy. I can't stop looking at her. Anyway, the things people do to their faces. So let's get back to talking about CBS and about um, how they were here. And they did this story on Heritage Radio Network, which is pretty cool because it doesn't get more mainstream media than that. 
And they came here to our humble abode and did a, a nice piece on us on CBS this morning, yesterday. So I was really excited about that, to see this piece running um, on basically as mainstream a media outlet as, as it gets. I mean, you don't get more mainstream than one of the major networks. You know, I mean, I don't expect to get like Fox News in here because they're not mainstream anyway. They're kind of fringy. Even though I, your host, your friend, me, I was a cooking guest on Fox and Friends in April. But I was just cooking. I wasn't talking about anything. No politics. I was there as a neutral culinary culinary person. Oh, and I made this white gazpacho, which uh, Tucker Carlson, who's like my new best friend, he just plots over my white gazpacho, by the way. But um, CBS is as major mainstreamy as it gets, and it was a huge coup for us lefty, fringy, heritage radio network people to be highlighted on the morning show. It was huge, huge, as Bernie would say. Oh, Bernie. It was so good while it lasted. But as I was waiting around to watch the piece, because they said we'd be on somewhere around 825, so I got up at like 824, I turned on the TV, and I was watching and waiting. I was waiting to watch the piece, and so I was listening to the morning show hosts who were discussing the new USDA food labeling legislation. The new food labels are out, finally. Thank you, Michelle Obama. Um, Because that's a subject that I am keenly interested in, keenly, since it's a little bit of... This time, it's the USDA is finally taking like a tiny bit of a stand against big food and big foodiness because, you know, they fight all the new labeling changes fiercely, vehemently. So finally, it's like the government got a little bit out of bed with them and stood up. And the new labels finally take added sugars in packaged foods into consideration. Okay, so it used to just be that labels would list, you know, protein, fat, carbohydrates, sodium, sugar. 12 grams of sugar, 80 grams of sugar, whatever it was. But they never differentiated between the naturally occurring sugars in the food, like naturally occurring milk sugar, like lactose in yogurt, which is just in there, and added sugars like fructose and corn syrup and sucrose and all the hundreds of other types of sugars that are added to package and processed foods, like if you took that simple yogurt with its naturally occurring lactose and then added in 47 grams of corn syrupy sweetened fruit chunks, right? So it's pretty simple stuff. They're just differentiating between naturally occurring sugars and added sugars, which is good because people should know. Naturally occurring, like the fructose in apple juice, naturally occurring, versus added like corn syrup in cranberry juice cocktail. See? Naturally occurring sugars, of course, can be very harmful, too, and are way too prevalent in foods, FYI. Case in point, my juice-guzzling childhood by my misguided parents who wouldn't let us drink soda but let us drink as much juice as we wanted, hence me being an overweight, borderline diabetic child because I drank all the juice I was allowed. But the hosts, who I won't name on the CBS Morning Show, but you know who I'm talking about, the man... The PBS one-on-one interviewer man and the Oprah's BFF woman hosts, they just like couldn't quite get their heads around it. They couldn't quite get what they were talking about. It was too confusing for them. Part of it, I think, was the fault of the nutritionist who was on there trying to explain it, talking about percentages. But I thought, geez, like if these two who host the major network morning news show, if they can't get it, Who else can't get it? 
like everybody in the country except me. I get it. Now, host B, Oprah's BFF, she kept mentioning Weight Watchers. Oh, just dropping it out there, Weight Watchers. Because she's on Weight Watchers because, oh, guess what? Her BFF owns a huge part of Weight Watchers now and is their huge spokesperson. So there's that. I'm sure, you know, contractually she's obligated anytime they talk about food to say like, oh, and by the way, on Weight Watchers, blah, blah, blah. I can do this, right? So I get that. You know, her corporate hands were tied, so to speak. So she basically just threw up her hands about the whole thing and said, well, I don't understand this at all. And Weight Watchers tells me what to eat, so I'll just stick with that. Way to not take responsibility for your own food intake, lady host. I mean, come on. Seriously, my math skills are like a four-year-old's, but even I can do that. I was absent the day we learned how to multiply fractions in fourth grade, and I still don't know how to do it. Okay? But come on. And host A, the PBS guy, you know, his name is remind, rhymes with hose, his last name, it's a flower. He just kept asking about fat. He wouldn't even like pay attention to the conversation about sugar and just kept saying, well, how much fat am I allowed to have in a day? How much fat? So there was this nutritionist on the show who was valiantly trying her damnedest to explain it all to them. And that the percentages on the labels at the end of each category represented how much of a daily percentage of your overall intake of each nutrient were recommended. Did you get that? It's not hard. If it said protein, 10 grams, then at the end of that line it says total daily intake, 30%. Okay, that's 30% of your total recommended protein allowance. It's not hard. Host A the man, who probably makes, what, $5 million a year? Not getting it. Just still not getting it and just keeps asking about fat. Well, they were specifically talking about sugars, which means that with all the new information and talk and news and studies that have emerged lately about the harmful effects of sugar and the vindication of fat, he just missed that whole entire story. Just missed it. Like, where have you been? You work in the news. You're surrounded by information all day. That's what you do. How could you miss that? It was like the last time he checked up on it in 1998. He read that he was supposed to be avoiding all the fat in his diet, and so he still thinks he has to do that. Um, Can I have the spot hosting the CBS Morning Show instead? Because I think I'd probably do a better job of it. Okay, This is the guy who interviews the most important, most influential people in the world. Now, host B... All right, she's not exactly super qualified to be in that job, but, you know, you know how that goes. You know who her best friend is, so enough said there. Now, this was all before the Heritage Radio Network piece aired. Then there were a couple segments in between, and then finally our piece aired. But between the segments, when we went to commercial break, because, oh, my God, there were so many commercials, because I'm used to watching Netflix. I forgot how many commercials there are, especially on the morning shows. It was a non-stop onslaught of ads for breakfast cereals and breakfast bars and juice drinks and artificially flavored and sweetened yogurt and all the garbage that constitutes the standard American diet. And then there's us. Maybe, actually, maybe they had the hosts pretend to be confused because they didn't want to offend the sponsors hmm, who pay their salaries and mm, there's a theory there's a conspiracy theory right there i should explore that and then there's us 
after all this, after the segment with the nutritionist, after all the commercials comes us. Well, not me, because I wasn't asked to be on the piece. Just saying. But us, as in Patrick Martins and Aaron Fairbanks, the director and the founder of the network, talking about how food now is as important as all other types of news and how we are serving up the truth. Yes, it was great. They totally told it like it is. What did they say? Served it up and sold it? Something like that. It was awesome. And it was about truth and justice and the American foodiness fighting way. Because here in corporate America, what do we do? Let's say it again. Because, you know, repetition is the best way to learn something. We apparently hold these certain foodiness truths to be self-evident. Don't we? Blah, blah, blah. Which is that all industrially produced foods are created equal. Uh... They're not. Well, they're just junk. And that they're endowed by their corporate creators with certain unalienable rights. And among these are potentially destroying life, crushing the liberty of the small farmers, and the pursuit of profitable happiness for those running the corporations. Because a network like CBS, they can't really tell the truth, per se, about food because they're too beholden to their advertisers. And just because a bunch of bohemians out in Brooklyn are talking about food and the American public actually wants now to see clean labeling and know it's in their food, well, maybe that signals a seismic shift. I mean, maybe change is actually in the air. Because if a big network like CBS is even willing to talk about people like us who are talking about this sort of stuff, well, it actually makes me slightly more optimistic about this than I have been in a while. So... So that's something. But corporate foodiness still rules. I mean, there's there's no getting around that. You know, and big food is trying its hardest to sort of take on the guys, to be the wolf in sheep's clothing. The wolf in sheep's clothing. Taking over these small food companies, buying them up all over the place, and then kind of subtly and slyly changing recipes and formulas to suit their mega corporate needs. But still trying to convince us that it's made by, you know, a bunch of craftspeople in Bushwick, even though it's actually made by a factory in Des Moines. No offense, Des Moines. I'm sure you're a nice place. And even with all the new food labeling, you never really know what you're getting in your food. So how about this radical proposal, huh? How's this? For, since we, we, we rewrote the Declaration of Independence, let's make, this, let's make this our credo, our mantra going forward for the summer. How about don't eat anything that requires a label. That really simplifies things. Because if you're confused about reading labels, then just don't read them. Don't buy anything with a label. Or just buy whatever you want. Don't read the labels and drop dead at 40. I don't care. I mean, I care. But, you know, if you do that, I don't care. Too rad. Too out there. Too edgy. Too Brooklyn. Too slap in the face to consumerism. Capitalism. Too hard to swallow. Perhaps. Well, think about it. You buy a bunch of carrots. You buy a bag of onions. You get a scoop of dried black beans from a bulk bin. You buy a chunk of meat. What would their label say? What would you have to put on that label? Contains carrots, onions, beans, lamb. There would be nutrition information on there, but there would be one ingredient listed. No added sugars. No trans fats. Just what it is. Carrots, onions, beans, lamb. No other info needed because those are the truths that are self-evident. 
You don't even need to read to read those labels because there's no superfluous info needed. It could be like in Pompeii. Did you ever go to Pompeii? In the ruins in Pompeii. Dave Tat, you ever go to Pompeii? No? It's pretty cool. I went in the pouring rain, though. Don't go in the rain. Go on a nice day. Next nice day, just fly yourself there and go to Pompeii. Okay. That's better than going during a volcano, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. But in Pompeii, in the ruins of Pompeii, um, one of the things they excavated was like was a food shop, like a takeout food shop, like a modern-day takeout shop for prepared food. So even, you know, 2,000 years ago, people were going for convenience food. And since the population back then was overall illiterate, there were illustrations of the food painted on the walls, like little pictographs of the food that was on the menu painted on the walls, kind of like the plastic food in the windows in the restaurants in Japan. Don't speak Japanese? That's okay. Just point to what you want. Don't read Latin? That's okay, too. Just point to the picture on the wall in Pompeii of the food that you want. Don't understand the new labels on the food? Well, don't buy any products that need one then, or at least products that have more than three ingredients. That's my limit, three. Like, you're buying bread, it should say, like, flour, salt, yeast, or flour, salt, water, even better, naturally leavened. Because I hold those truths to be self-evident, that we have the right to clean, safe food, untainted by chemicals and pesticides, that we have the right to know what's in our food, where it came from, how it was grown, and that we have the right to untainted information about our food, free of corporate and government influence. That's why we fight. That's a World War II reference, by the way. Why we fight? A lot of references to things very old these days. I bet a 17-year-old intern didn't get that one, huh? Probably not, no. He'd never even heard of Annie Hall when I did that show a few months ago. But that's what I'll be celebrating this summer. My fight. My fight. My fight for real food. Before the Halloween candy shows up and the leaves start to fall in the fall. So you know what? Get out there and vote with your dollars. Who knows what's going to happen in the election? I mean, I'm just, we're doomed. I'm dreading it. So you can vote right now with your food dollars. Say no to corporate corrupt foodiness and say yes to American small farmers because you know who would be really super proud of you? Superman. Superman would. Because Superman fights for truth and justice and the anti-foodiness American way. Oh, we're out of time. Look at that. Well, you've just wasted another half hour listening to Let's Get Real. That's what the Car Talk guys used to say on NPR. You've just wasted another half hour listening to Car Talk. It was sad that that guy died, but frankly, I was so sick of that show. I couldn't listen to it anymore. But anyway, thanks for listening. Let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Thanks to Dave Tat, the control room. Ben Kaplan, who wrote my theme song. And thanks, Superman. We'll see you next week. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.